Now, 2018 is a milestone year for Oxfordshire-based Dogs for Good as the charity proudly celebrates 30 years of transforming the lives of adults and children with disabilities. Sarah Watson from Dogs for Good, welcome to a very noisy Crufts. It certainly is noisy in here, yes, very noisy. It's the music and the people, not the dogs, Sarah, isn't it? Now, tell me, Dogs for Good, explain what you do. So Dogs for Good, um, we train dogs to help people with a wide range of disabilities. Um, So um, all sorts of conditions really, everything from dementia to physical disability, um, children with autism. um, And we work both with dogs where they're working um, one-to-one with with a person as an assistance dog. um, And we also work with um, people in the community where we're providing animal-assisted intervention for um, people with sometimes very complex needs um, and how we actually support them to um, reach goals and and overcome things that they probably find quite challenging to do. Now you mentioned complex needs Mm. and that implies a huge amount of training for the animals that you have. How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think over the years that we've, um, you know, we've really um, started to develop dogs that we, we know that can you know, do these jobs really, really well. So we take our dogs and, you know, we breed breed our own dogs, a lot, a huge amount of our own dogs, um, and we socialise them as puppies over um, probably about a 16, 17-month period. They then come into Dogs for Goods Training Centre in Oxfordshire, and they'll be with us for probably about four, four to five months, learning all of the skills that they'll need. And every dog is matched specifically to the needs of the um, particular owner that they will go to. Um, so if it's and for a child with autism, we might want a dog that is particularly calm, um, you know, really unfazed by, you know, any loud noises, you know, um, a child suddenly moving around a lot or anything like that. And um, for an adult with a physical disability, it might be that we, you know, we're looking for a dog that's got a really, really responsive um, task work. So sometimes we're dealing with people with something like a stroke um, or cerebral palsy where their um, spoken language might be affected. So you want a dog that can really, you know, respond very quickly and really, you know, builds that bond with the person and and will, you know, go and fetch something, you know, with a very simple command and things and and really work towards that client's needs. So... Are there particular breeds that are better than others at the assistance dog work? Yeah, you'll probably notice most of the ones that are around here are um, Labradors and Golden Retrievers, or we also use first crosses of the two. So that kind of takes the the best of both worlds, the the hungry Labradors' willingness to work with the Golden Retrievers, um, you know, brilliant capacity to learn. um, And, you know, once it's in the Golden Retriever's head, it it really does stay there. Um, So, yeah, we have quite a lot of those, those kind of first crosses as well. Sarah, give me an idea of the scale and the scope of uh, of your work. How many people have one of your dogs and how many people might be waiting for one of your dogs? Yeah, that's a really good question because they're, they're kind of quite different answers really as well. So we have around, um, every year, last year for instance, we had over 4,000 inquiries for our services. Um, and we just can't help that amount of people just because of the amount of funds that we get in um, and that, you know, and we're, we're grateful for everybody's support that we do get, but, but at the moment we can't reach enough people that we would like to. So um, last year in total we helped um, our assistance dogs, we um, helped around 50 people um, through our community dog work, um, you know, working in the community. We, we have um, so about half a dozen dogs on, on that scheme. In total they helped to over 100 people. Um, and we also provide workshops to families with children with autism as well. And through that service, 
Um, we um, are helping, we've helped over a thousand people since we started that service five years ago. Um, but yeah, as you say, we really are, you know, still sort of only, you know, reaching the tip of the iceberg, really. Now, I know that you're looking for more volunteers, but uh, alongside that, the bottom line is the bottom line, isn't it? It costs money to do this. How much do you need to raise each year? So um, the charity needs about three million just to um, do what we do at the moment. Um, and um, yeah, we're lucky enough that, you know, we do get that kind of money in. But we always need if we're to do more, more work, then we need more, you know, more funds in. Um, in just to train an assistance dog, it costs around £20,000 to support the working lifetime of that partnership. Um, but we always say it sounds like a lot of money, but actually when you think about it, over their working lives, that's just £45 a week um, for a dog from age from 2 to 10 years old, which is their working life. Which, when you think the amount of care that, we, we, you know, that those dogs give, um, it really is a small price to pay. We had... Um, there's one lady that we just spoke to recently and she's had um, she's now on her her second assistance dog um, but she said her care package and um, she was able to reduce from 90 hours a week to 45 um, because she has her assistance dog and when you kind of consider that implication it's it's huge that, absolutely that's a, that's an implication to the wider social cost of social health and social care isn't it and that, and that often, often has to be factored into the base cost of producing a, a dog that can be an assistance to a, a person yeah I think you know maybe sometimes that's not always considered you know maybe an assistance dog could be seen as a nice to have but actually for the people that are with them it really does make a huge amount of difference and we're not talking just about the practical tasks that the dogs can give it's also about um, you know all of the additional support that they give so in, in terms of improving many of our clients will say that the massive difference that they know is they get that practical help but they also go out more because they have their dog and they increase their confidence people go back to work they take on volunteering opportunities themselves so they become you know really an active member of their community their mental health improves as a result of getting their dog um, and very often it's um, beneficial the ripple effects go on for their carers as well um, because it means that you know husbands wives children um, you know are feel more able to leave you know to, to be able to go out and do things for themselves leave their you know their um, loved one at home with their dog because they know that if they need to go out if they if something has happened then the dog will alert and be able to bring a phone or raise an alarm or something as well so that, that so that the person is safe as well so it's huge now you're based in Oxfordshire, but I guess your dogs aren't just centred in Oxfordshire, they go all over the place. They do, absolutely. So we're throughout um, England and Wales, we provide our services. We have a satellite centre in the northwest and one in Bristol, which helps us to reach more people and links as well. Um, and yet we, you know, every year we want to train more dogs, work with more people and links as well, so that we can, we can help more people live more, more active lives, really. Now, if anybody wants more information on Dogs for Good, how can they find that out? So the best place is always the website. So just Google Dogs for Good. Um, our website is www.dogsforgood.org um, and there's lots of information about what we do and how people can support us. Sarah, fantastic work. Great to hear about it. Keep up the good work and uh, many thanks for joining us. Thank you.